This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The gist is brought to you by Betterment, the largest automated investing service managing billions of dollars for people just like you. Get up to six months of investing free when you go to Betterment.com slash gist. Betterment. Investing made better. And by Monster. Find employees who work as hard as you at Monster.com slash hiring. Monster. Find better. The following podcast contains explicit language. Wednesday, March 30th, 2016, from Slate, it's the gist. I'm Mike Pesca. Breaking news. Billboard magazine. The announcement of Avicii's retirement from live music, which he disclosed in a lengthy note to fans, rock the dance music world today. Which is appropriate because rock in the dance music world is what Avicii was put on this earth to do. Oh yeah, spin that my Nordic EDM brother. This is a surprising announcement because Avicii, although not a member of the Swedish House Mafia, does abide by the strictures of silence, or as they call it, Umerta. Avicii explains his retirement. He writes, I know I am blessed to be able to travel all around the world and perform, but I have too little time left for the life of a real person. I will, however, never let go of music. I will continue to speak to my fans through it, but I've decided this 2016 run will be my last tour and last shows. But you know how it goes with these EDM types. You're just waiting for it, you're waiting for it, and then it comes the drop. And he writes, one part of me can never say never. I could be back, but I won't be right back. Guess what? That's not called retiring. That's called taking a vacation. But if you vow to bring the beat back, the beat will be coming back. The beat always comes back. The beat, when told to turn around, turns around, the beat goes on. Now Avicii, he's a 26-year-old Swede. He can be forgiven for thinking that he's actually retiring. Then there's James Murphy of LCD Sound System, although really he's James Murphy is LCD Sound System. James Murphy is a 46-year-old man. He knows the meaning of retire. No, he doesn't. LCD Sound System is back, unretired after five years, mostly after a big retirement tour. I actually don't blame the artists. It's lonely inside the headphones and you need a break. Every gig is like a constantly revolving turntable that seems like it will never end. I blame we, the music buying and concert going public. Actually, I've seen the numbers. The music streaming and concert going public. We have got to learn. 
You do not retire if you're a DJ. We have got to learn. DJs can't retire. A DJ's job is just to hear and mix the music. You can't unretire from hearing a beat and thinking, thunka, 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 thunk, thunka, thunka, thunka. Wait, if I go thunka, thinka, thunka, thunk. I got a song. I got a song. Well, Mr. DJ, you just done unretired in your mind. And soon we know it, even if you don't know it, you're gonna unretire in real life because you can't stop the beat. On the show today, the Corey Lewandowski story gives Americans an issue they can understand, video replay. But first, Maria Konnikova on the SAD, Seasonal Affective Disorder. If you're thinking about your financial future, and if you're thinking about your future, you need to be thinking about finances. Think about Betterment. Betterment manages $3.8 billion. Although I've been saying that for a few weeks as I've been doing the ad, it might be higher now. But they do have 145,000 customers. And what these customers know is that Betterment is a really non-aggressive, user-friendly way to utilize a website and the internet to get advice, to get services, to learn about how to take control of a financial future, whether it's retirement, whether it's investing for college, all of these things are services that Betterment offers. And it's really easy to use. You use it in the way you use so many other services, be it Yelp or Netflix or any other service that's based on the internet. Why is financial services? Why is that one thing that you gotta go to a guy's office, which is probably appointed in beige, the guy doesn't have a great haircut, or even kind of more disturbing, he's like a really cool young hip guy. What's he doing in financial services? Shouldn't be working for Yelp. So right now the gist is offering up to six months of automated investing free. And more information is there when you go to betterment.com slash gist. That's betterment.com slash gist. Betterment investing made better. As winter turns to spring, or just has. By the way, that coincided with snowfall in New York. No one's telling winter about this. Our mood brightens. The birds chirp. The green grass shows that it is green. And our mood is no longer sad because of the season. Or so goes this theory called seasonal affective disorder, which stands for sad. Is it, is it a real thing? Is it a disorder? Is it just a really convenient acronym? Or is it bullshit? To render a verdict on that last one is Maria Konnikova. She is the author of The Confidence Game. Hello, Maria. Hello, Mike. We got to get to the affected part or affective. What's so effective about it? So affective as in emotional. So yeah. affect means emotion. Oh. So it's a disorder that affects our mood. And what specifically it does is cause depression. And it's actually a common misperception that this happens in the winter. It's seasonal. So for different types of people, it can happen in different types of seasons. So someone's got a case of the summer sads? Yeah. So there are people who suffer from sad in the summer. Sad in the summer people. Sad in the summer people. Just like they're- Are they pale? Do they not tan well? What's their problem? (laughs) Do they hate chlorine? Well, now you're you're actually, you're you're getting to a lot of the important questions Mm -hmm. um, because a lot of what we think we know 
about seasonal affective disorder, or at least that we thought we knew about seasonal affective disorder, had to do with light exposure right. and with being outside and with kind of how much time you spend outdoors, how much sunlight you get, how much you tan. And it was thought that in the winter, you don't actually get that much sunlight. You're often indoors, especially if it's really cold. And so that kind of disrupts your circadian rhythms. It disrupts your mood um, yes. as a result. And so you get depressed. Because people suffer from it in the summer as well, that can't be the whole story. Yeah. Because in the summer, people do get a lot of light. Okay. I got a couple things to say. One, the word affective. You know, this is, I've never seen, now that you say it, yeah, I guess if there is a word affective, then that would be the word. But since I've never seen that word before, it's just telling me they were trying really, really hard for the acronym. Okay. <laughs> affective. Secondly, I think that there are a few ideas, kind of folk tales, that everyone believes in more than stuff about the seasons. I guess people like when it's warmer, so they go crazy and say, oh, it's spring and your hormones start raging and you stop putting on weight. I just think all of this is a folklore, that most of this is, a fo is folklore that goes back 100 years. And I say, you know, do people in Arizona feel this way? And no one has a good answer for that. Anyway, I'm just throwing it out there. Mm -hmm. What I'm telling you is I just, this is redolent or maybe redolent of this thing that we try to detect, this bullshit. But I'm going to let you lay it on me. Tell me what we know. What more do we know about how seasons affect the mood in a real discernible, uh, empirical way? So we do know that a lot of people self-report symptoms of depression only at certain times of year. And the best numbers we have, and this is actually based on a study that was done in 2015, so pretty recent, is that it's about 5% in the United States, 2 mm -hmm. to 3% in Canada, and up to 10% in northern latitudes. And so less in Canada, but Canada is in northern yeah, so, latitudes. So, so that's a little strange, but yeah. we'll, we'll just let it go. Okay. So I'm guessing northern latitudes, they mean like really northern latitudes. Yeah, but they don't see um, the sun that much. Right. So for yeah. instance, one study that just came out in February, which was actually in Finland, because Finland is a northern latitude, did find that there was about that 10% prevalence in the Finnish population, and they surveyed about 5,000 people. And by the way, this was not actually recognized as a disorder in until the DSM-3 revised. So the DSM is a Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, which is kind of the psychiatric Bible. These mm -hmm. are the things that are acknowledged as disorders. Yeah. So we're now up to number five. Except the Bible changed once, and the <laughs> DSM keeps changing. Keeps changing. Yeah. So now we're now, we're now on five. Mm -hmm. So And they often have the revised because it takes a long time to get the full number up. So the three revised was the first time it came up. People thought, well, okay, does this actually exist? Because maybe people are just getting depressed. It's really easy to conflate the mm -hmm. symptoms because we know that a lot of other things happen in different seasons. A lot right. of things happen to your body, right. seasons, temperature, flu, you know, sickness. Yeah. Your body's affected differently. Yeah. And all of those things can actually co-occur. And so how do you... Maybe you're just getting more exercise in the summer, right? That's, that's actually exactly... That's, that's exactly right. Yeah. So maybe all of these different things are happening. Maybe you hate soup. People are forcing soup on you that, in the winter. That's true. Soup that's true. Basically, we see that there are lots of different disorders that 
go together and they go in clusters. And so it becomes very difficult to say, well, is this something separate or are you just becoming depressed because of all all these other things mm-hmm. are wrong? Or are you um, just noticing not, your depression? Yes. Too. Or are you just noticing yeah, your depression? Yeah. Or are you just correlating your depression with this thing that it's cold and uncomfortable? And like in spring, when, when outside is room yeah. temperature, you'd never think to blame the weather. Exactly. But and in winter, you say, you know, I'm depressed and God damn, it's freezing outside. That's exactly right. And there's actually really good psychological work that shows that we often, when the weather is bad, we say, oh, I'm feeling really lousy about the world. I'm depressed. Um, and we don't necessarily think it's because of the weather, but we we have um, kind of, it's called mood as information. Mm-hmm. We look at our mood and we, we say, oh, I must be depressed. And it's only because it's raining outside versus sunny. So we do know that these sorts of effects exist. Or maybe if we're really narcissistic, <laughs> we don't think our mood is affected by the weather, but we in fact think our mood affects the weather. Yes, that, yeah. that could, that could very well raining. be the case. Yeah. Exactly. One recent study actually does show that there might be some differences. And Mm -hmm. what they looked at specifically were the so-called clock genes. So it's spelled just like clock, like the clock on the wall, but it's all capital. And those are all of the genes. And I don't have a clock on the wall. I I don't think anyone does anymore. It's like that thing on your iPhone. Right, right. (laughs) So the clock genes are all of the genes that regulate your circadian rhythms. And people do have a lot of variation on this. So there are some people who are shorter sleepers than others. There are night owls. There are larks. All of these things are determined by um, the genes that affect our circadian rhythms. And they're in every single cell of our body, which we recently found out. It's not just like we have one circadian rhythm. Everything um, has to be synchronized. And so they do find that people who suffer from SAD have some genetic differences in some of these sleep genes. That also explains why this can happen in different seasons, because what ends up happening is the the onset of light can either coincide with your internal rhythm or not. Mm -hmm. And some people have much more determined rhythms than others, so it's much more severe. A lot of people are kind of in between, but there are some people who are really, really night owls and others who are really, really larks. And so what ends up happening is that your circadian clock doesn't become reset adequately um, depending on what time the sun rises and what time the sun sets. But which direction does it have to go in? So because there are low levels of light in the winter, people who are night owls might feel better in the summer. And people who are larks, like really larks, might actually feel better in the winter because you get that early sun exposure. Sun's up early. Yeah. Yeah. We do see that a lot of times seasonal affective disorder does respond to light therapy at different times of the day. So you mimic natural sunlight at different times depending on what your cycle is to help your clock reset. There were other hypotheses that have sort of been disproven. So one of them was vitamin D. Mm-hmm. And yes, there's there's no, I mean, some people still believe this. It hasn't been definitively disproven, but it hasn't been definitively proven that it's a vitamin D deficiency. But you can kill yourself with vitamin D if you, you take can. too much. So you watch can. out for that. Exactly. Yeah. Don't self-medicate with the, uh, the vitamin D. No. You can milk. self-medicate with but light. Don't, don't buy a cow and just, <laughs> yeah. And so one of the reasons that we think that vitamin D is probably not true is because, once again, in the summer, you can still get seasonal affective disorder. Yes. That seems to kind of disprove that a little bit. People might take issue with that. People yeah. might say, no, also, no, it's still about I vitamin D. I would love to just study a bunch of people from Phoenix. I mean, there are people <laughs> living in the Sun Belt now mm. who we have a good populations to do studies on, yeah. not just the finish. Yeah. Yeah. There has been work done on happiness, basically... Are people in Southern California happier? Uh-huh. And the answer is no. No. Um, we because, think they are. Right. Because the weather. Exactly. But true. they're not. Because they're... of the traffic. 
<laughs> yes, yeah. yes. Having recently traveled to LA, I yeah. can attest to that, um, and spent more than half of my trip in a car sure, going from course. place to place. But people get used to weather very, very quickly. And so sad really only happens. Literally acclimate. So people get used to the weather basically anywhere, and sad only happens when there are changing seasons. So there's no, you know, if you if you live somewhere which is the same, there's no seasonal variation. So San Diego, Hawaii, there's less incidence of sad, or there's Pres- no incidence of sad. Presumably, there should be less incidence of sad, unless you're a lark yeah. who has who has moved oh, to terrible. to Hawaii, which right. would be actually quite bad for you. And the Hawaiian lark is a protected species. <laughs> All right. So I guess the last thing I want to ask you is, insofar as sad is a thing, is documentable, those big lamps, the big Mm -hmm. lights that people bombard themselves with, is that often a good treatment, over-prescribed, evidence behind it? What do we know about that? Well, we do know that it's a good treatment, but you actually need to understand what your genotype is to know when you should expose yourself to that light. Because we often, so a lot of our computers emit the same exact light frequency, which mimics outdoor light, which resets our rhythms in a really, really weird way oh. um, because we expose ourselves at the wrong time and it affects melatonin release. So it I've affects always when said we get... that. Don't expose yourself at the wrong time. <laughs> always said that. By the way, melatonin is a bad treatment for this. Melatonin is yeah, not good. No, no, no good. vitamin D, no melatonin. No. All uh, the herbal stuff that you could get at the GNC. So, yeah. But light is good. But that actually, to me at least, shows that this might be really fundamentally about sleep and about a sleep disturbance. Mm-hmm. We know that sleep disturbance comes with depression. We know that people who don't get adequate sleep become susceptible to depression. Those two things go together. And one of the first signs of recovery from depression is that your sleep starts getting better. We know that light affects sleep and that the wrong synchronicity when your body is out of whack with the outdoor light can actually cause sleep disturbance. So I think that underlying the seasonality is actually a sleep problem rather than anything else. Rather than being a function of the sad. Yeah, exactly. So I think that that sleep disruption causes the mood disorder and that sleep disruption is actually caused by the light changes, which do go with the season. So I think I've been disabused of some notions and some, dare I say, prejudices. Maria Konnikova, seasonal affective disorder. Is that bullshit? It's not bullshit in the sense that there is a phenomenon. We don't really know what it is yet. And we haven't pinpointed what exactly causes it. The best evidence shows that it's sleep disturbance. But once again, it's not definitive yet. And so we do know that some of the old notions are bullshit. Yeah. But there is definitely a condition um, that's caused by changing seasons. The fact that it's just in winter is bullshit. I think that's a very common misconception. It's seasonal. And it does change your mood, but it comes along with a lot of other stuff, so we're not really sure what's causing what. And the use of affective in the middle of that phrase, is that bullshit? Yes, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Go out on a high note. Maria (laughs) Konnikova is the author of The Confidence Game, and she plays Is That Bullshit with us here on The Gist. Thank you, Maria. Thank you, Mike. As a small business owner, you work endless hours to pursue your goals, your alarm clock, well, that's sunrise, your lunch hour, eight minutes long. You need employees who work hard, too. Monster has 20 years of experience finding the right people for the right jobs. Monster builds custom hiring solutions specific to your small business. Visit monster.com hiring for a limited time offer and to find employees who work as hard as you. Monster, find better. 
And now the spiel. Let's go to the series of still photos. Donald Trump's campaign manager lied. There is now clear video proof. That's not just me saying it. I was quoting literally from a full headline in the Washington Post story about Corey Lewandowski's grabbing of a Breitbart reporter, Michelle Fields. The New York Times describes what we saw this way. Tuesday, the new video taken from security cameras at a Trump property confronted the Republican frontrunner with a different kind of challenge. Hard to discount visual evidence directly contradicting him. Hard to discount for Donald Trump? A man who refutes everything from presidential countries of origin to the entire gross domestic product? He says it's zero. Well, today Trump discounted it. Those tapes to me are very conclusive. A lot of people are uh, looking and saying, how can anybody be charged? He was, she was actually, if you look at her, my book, and according to a lot of people, she's grabbing at me. And he's acting as an intermediary and trying to block her from doing that. And it wasn't just Trump refuting it either. Here's Lou Dobbs and Fox legal analyst Liz Wheel. When you look at it this closely, link by link, screen by screen, you don't actually see the touching. You look at it like he's... But on CNN, host Jake Tapper couldn't believe what Trump advisor Sarah Huckabee Sanders was saying. Watch the video. You can tell there's no malice. There's no specific intent here other than to move the candidate out of the room. I don't see that he ever made eye contact with her and recognized her or there was anything like that. He could have brushed past her and never even known that it happened. But it did happen. And there's just this denial that it happened and and a smearing of her. Well, look, again, I think if you go back, you watch it. I don't think anything happened, and that is the statement that they made. This turned into a bit of a he saw, she saw, seesaw. Again, here's Lou Dobbs. Three producers and I Mm -hmm. looked at this today. We came to the same conclusion that you did. Right, right. There is no video of a touching You don't actually see the hand touching, her arm touching his hand. You can infer where his hand might have been. Right, right. You can infer where her arm might have been. Right. But to be precise, you don't actually see no the frame. Hand, you don't actually that. see a frame of the hand. Now, to be perfectly precise, there was no video at all. We were just looking at still photos strung together, which gives maybe the appearance of video. Wait, isn't all video just shots strung together to fool the eye? That's exactly what I'm saying, and the Mexicans will pay for it. My point exactly. But this means that this accident does not, as the New York Times writes, risk a new level of fallout for the candidate. No. It will delight and engage the public because this is our national sport, not manhandling reporters. Football. Well, actually, it's not football. It's close to football. It's arguing about instant replays as we watch football. It broke the plane right there. I believe it did. Right there. Inbounds, out of bounds. Was the arm going forward? Was the arm impeded? This can be said about NFL football or the Lewandowski alleged battery. Plus, you have Donald Trump never towing the line of taste and rationality. Similarly, did you see anything clear here that that foot is completely behind the line? See, if you really want to portray yourself as a true patriot, you know not to go over the line. I mean, there's there's a good two inches between Gronkowski's left big toe and that back corner of the end zone, the white chalk line. Because forensic videography is our religion, is our right It dominates our discourse. It fits snugly within the context of no context. In NCAA basketball, we call the players student athletes, but we all know what they're really studying. Everybody looking, everybody watching, studying carefully. Now, 
he's talking, Brent Musburger there is talking about an amazing shot that ended a game between Oklahoma and West Virginia earlier this month. Or did the shot end the game? Let's see. You've got to check the replay. We've got to take a look. Now, that contest closely resembles the Republican contest. Tight, compelling, almost unprecedented. Unbelievable what's unfolding here. And it all came down to fractions of a percentage. And even though the crowd was clearly clamoring for one outcome, the gatekeepers with control of the levers of power had other ideas. Because in the end, the shot was disallowed. The populists' hopes were dashed. The Oklahomans went home empty. Though they are in the Final Four on Saturday, which actually is a lot more important. But for a time, it seemed like that basketball game could offer us a result that a fractious political process could not. That we would all be healed. 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 That's it for today's show. Just producer Andrea Salenzi will unretire her tilapia recipe in an attempt to uncook that fish. Steve Lichtai, executive producer of Slate Podcasts, is on a low-carb diet. But that doesn't mean he won't gobble up the occasional piece of untoast. Andy Bowers, chief content officer of the Panoply Network, takes it a step further. At weddings, he's untoasted couples who he feels still have some issues to work out. The gist... Unbreak my heart. Umperu de Peru du Peru, and thanks for listening.